everybody. Welcome to Stock Bites for Thursday, July 23rd. We have a great show for you today. We're joined by Steve Straza, a technical analyst with All Star Charts. Highly recommend you give him a follow on Twitter at S Straza, S T R A Z Z A. The reason that we had Steve on is, first of all, he's a technical analyst, and a lot of the research that we see that gets us involved in some of these names are charts. Let's figure out what we're looking at. Uh, And secondly, Steve publishes a weekly newsletter uh, for for all-star charts called Under the Hood, where he looks at the top 20 to 30 names on Robinhood last week and charts them out, sends out some trade ideas on them. Uh, So we're going to dive into the basics of that how to manage risk in a portfolio, technical analysis. All the charts that Steve references in the interview are linked in the description to this podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review. It helps. You can reach us, stockbitespodcast at gmail.com and at stockbites, excuse me, at stock underscore bites on Twitter. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's get it. Let's do it. Right, so today we're we're joined by Steve Straza with allstarcharts.com. Steve is a technical analyst for All Star Charts and he's doing something similar to what we're doing here. Every week Steve is publishing a newsletter called Under the Hood, which is a great name, Steve. I don't know if you picked that. <laughs> but can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing at All Star Charts and specifically what you're doing with the Under the Hood newsletter? So Under the Hood is an idea that we had based on Robin Track. I mean, obviously Robin Hood's getting very popular right now. You're seeing all these charts being shared on social media about, you know, the most popular stocks and, you know, charting their popularity uh, and overlaying their price performance and seeing if there's a relationship there or not. And we didn't know. So we kind of wanted to um, look under the hood. uh, And that's a pun, but it speaks to what we're doing. We're taking the universe of popular Robinhood stocks and then we're looking under the hood at what's really going on in these names. It's not a situation where we're saying, hey, here are the five most popular stocks on, you know, among Robinhood uh, users this week. Let's buy them all. No, it's, hey, these stocks are really popular. There's something going on there. You know, animal spirits are really brewing in these names. Because um, Robinhood traders are uh, typically, they're your younger traders, they're gunslingers, they're looking for hot stocks, big movers. Uh, these are high beta names a lot of times. So you can, if you catch them at the right time, um, you know, you can catch a big move in either direction. And what we'll do is we'll join in. If we like the trend, we'll follow alongside the Robinhood traders and um, kind of ride these momentum names higher. And then there's other times, you know, we could talk about some examples like uh, Nicola was one from last week where that was on the top of the list last week of most popular um, stocks. But we looked at the chart and we thought it was a fade and ended up being a really good short. Um, so we'll go in either direction. But the idea is that if these traders are you know, paying attention and there's that much activity on Robinhood among these day traders, that these are stocks that we could catch some quick moves in um, and that are always worth you know, kind of taking a deeper look at. Once the rumor hits, whatever sort of PR thing is driving uh, the internet yeah. buzz. And, and we were just looking at Boxel uh, and looking at, you know, 2 million 
share volume pretty consistently. And then on July 10th, there's a, it, it doubles, it goes to 4 million. And then I'm assuming that's the weekend where all the, the Twitter heads come out and start putting out information about a Samsung deal, yep. yada, yada. And then you see volume steadily increase and it gets up to 350 million shares yep. uh, last Thursday. But by the, my question is what, what trends are you seeing? If you're looking at last week's top five, top 10, top 20 mm-hmm. stocks, what trends are you seeing for those stocks moving forward? And then, you know, for a guy like me who maybe by the time the rumor gets to me, it's too late. How can I avoid? No, I mean, you, you, you kind of raise a lot of good points there. Um, the number one thing is with these stocks, it's not like we're trading Dow stocks, right? You know, if it's Apple or sometimes um, we found trades in here, you know, in mega cap tech names, Tesla, Amazon, Netflix, uh, Microsoft, Apple, because they're often among the most popular um, and we'll put trade ideas on them. But then there's a lot of other ones like you're talking about this Box L. Um, I know we we had a trade in Workhorse. Um, and there's also just a lot of high flying biotechs that are very news driven, like, like you mentioned. Um, there's a lot of um, high short interest names, low float names. So when they start moving and buyers start piling in, you, you could see some big squeezes or big moves in either direction. So what you have to do is you have to kind of educate yourself about the stock to a, at least to a degree. So one thing that we try and stay away from is, um, you know, low flow, low volume biotechs. We don't want, um, you know, price shocks that are driven by press releases or news events. So if it's something like Moderna, which I think has like a $30 billion market cap um, by now, we'll we'll play in a name like that, right? Because it's at least big enough. Um, but if it's, what's a good example? I'm just looking through. Uh, yeah, Novin, Novin, N-O-V-N, N-O-V-N was, uh, was the hot one yesterday. And I think today it fell back another so, 30% after. So this being, is one like we wouldn't touch. It's less than a dollar a share. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the volume's 100,000 on a good day or uh, oh no 100 million but it's just it's it's a it's it's low flow um and it's just too low priced of a stock and if i probably looked them up they're probably have one drug in their pipeline um and that's just kind of not the name that we're we're looking for while if you look at something like moderna it's very different um they actually probably if you looked into it i'm not a fundamental analyst but it, it seems like they do have some real science behind uh, what they're working on. Um, and if you look at the chart, it looks a lot different. It's in a steady uptrend. You know, you can see if you throw a long-term moving average on that, you, you can see it's sloping up and prices are kind of just slowly hitting one extension or one price objective after another. Um, um, you, you saw the chart that I sent over, yeah. right? Yeah, let's let's talk about Moderna because you you know during our conversations leading up to the podcast you you pointed out to me correctly and you were correct um, you know this eighty dollar support or Fibonacci retracement was going to be uh, a key level yeah. for them they were going to have a hard time trading above a hundred dollars yeah. a share they got close to that and then they pulled back pretty you know to close to that eighty dollar range today so um, if you could use Moderna right now to to Tell us about a couple, you know, two or three indicators that are that you look for and that maybe we can 
dive into and, and try to understand uh, how we can use these as, as just regular totally. people. So the price chart that you should have uh, for Moderna, it has two panes. One is uh, the absolute price chart on top. And then on the bottom, I, I simply have it charted against the broader market. And I'm using the Russell 3000 as my benchmark because that's, I think it's over 98% of um, the investable U.S. equity market, right? So it's a pretty good benchmark um, if you want to see just what, what's the relative strength like in this name. In other words, fund managers and big money, they chase outperformance, right? And if that's what the big money is going to do, we want to be in the stocks that are outperforming that they then need to chase. Um, and that's a whole nother kind of tangent we could talk about, which is that this Robinhood data that we're using, um, the largest institutions in the world are running their own open source data feeds and taking this information and trying to use it in similar ways that we're talking about. Um, that's definitely happening. They're running it with complex algorithms and logarithms and doing it on a much more sophisticated scale. Um, but that also kind of creates, that's another tailwind of why looking at this works because it's not just a bunch of Robinhood traders with a thousand, two thousand $2,000 account sizes that can't move these stocks. There's also some big money that are following these trends also. And that that's actually what moves price. But um, back to the Moderna chart, what you're looking at here is if we start in March, um, if you look, you see price breaks out of that base right around $28, um, which were the former highs from 2019 on an absolute basis. And just as that's happening in the lower pane, it's also breaking out, um, you know, in about the March, April period on a relative basis, relative to the Russell 3000. So what that's showing me is, okay, this stock is now exhibiting leadership and outperforming. And not only that, but on an absolute basis, okay, it just broke out of a nice base, so we could probably expect higher prices. Then all of those black lines on the upper on the top pane, those are Fibonacci extensions. So when a stock makes new all-time highs like Moderna did um, in early March, it's there's no price memory. And by that I mean there were no shares traded at all-time highs. That's the definition of an all-time high. There was no prior uh, transactions made at that price, right? So once you get up there, you have to figure out another way to kind of determine when price is going to hit a logical level of what we would call overhead supply, right? Um, oftentimes, when you're looking at a price chart, you can set your target at a former high. But if there are no former highs because you're at all-time highs, you, you need to come up with another method. So the Fibonacci uh, extensions are based on the golden ratio. Um, it's, it's the same golden ratio that's used for pi, and it shows up in nature all over the place. Uh, we can use it also with Fibonacci retracements. Um, and you can actually extend those numbers out like we've done here um, to, you know, a million derivatives. So you go to the 161.8 and the 261.8, the 423.6. And this is a great example because I've kind of drawn gray bars um, at each Fibonacci extension. And you can see how price runs up, it hits it, it consolidates, it comes back, it corrects a little, then it finally breaks out, it hits the next level, the 261.8, around $54. You know, it consolidates a little, starts flagging, then it breaks out. Once it gets above that 261.8 at about 54 bucks, it runs right back up to the $80 level, comes back to the 261.8. Do you see how those levels are acting as bounds? 
And it, it's actually a very orderly uptrend because of those boundaries that it's respecting, um, both, both at, at the upper end and the lower end. And now we're at a situation where we just broke the 423.6, we're above 80, and we don't see why this is the type of trend that's what we would call innocent until proven guilty. It's respected these extension levels. It's hit all of our objectives from the time it broke out of its base to new all-time highs in March. And there's no reason why we don't want to keep betting on a strong uptrend like this. The other key point about these charts is, you know, I could love the stock. I could love the setup. But if the risk reward is not uh, favorable at the current price, we simply would not recommend it or put a trade idea out on it. And this one, what I mean by that is, our risk is very clearly defined. If we break below that $80 level and close below it, we don't want to be in this trade anymore. So at the current price, whatever it is, $82, $83 today, um, we're only risking two or three points to the downside, and then we're picking up 40 points to the upside. So the risk reward on that is, what, almost 20x? Um, so we'll, we'll take that all day. If this was hanging out in the middle, somewhere around $100, we wouldn't put that trade on. And then in the lower pane, again, it's exhibiting relative strength where this stock continues to outperform the market. And those are the types of stocks that we always want to be in. If you look at any of the charts that I sent you, you'll always see that in the lower pane, I am charting um, these prices against the broader market because I don't want to be buying them unless they're outperforming. Go back to the risk reward thing you said. Yeah. So if let's, we're at 82 today, so you got $2 sure. of downside and then your next logical leg up would be the 122 yep. level. So uh, is that you're basically 40, 40 points of upside and about what? Two, two points of downside or three points of downside. Yeah. Okay. You're doing pretty good there from a risk reward standpoint. So even if we're wrong on this trade, you know, we're we're happy we lost three bucks we can you know dust our hands off and go find another opportunity we still have plenty of capital um so that's that's always always number one is risk management if if our risk is not clearly defined and we're not comfortable with the risk reward profile of the trade we'll never put it on um so i just i'm sitting for the third level of the cfa exam sure. this year so my kind of training is as a fundamental uh, analyst. And it was pretty interesting to hear you say, like, I don't think that it matters on your end as a technical analyst, what, you know, how many drugs Moderna has yeah. that have been approved, right? It's just, we're looking at a chart and saying, you know, this is the next logical move. Uh, well, somebody in my position is looking at their balance sheets and going, nah, this company's losing money. They have, you know, yada, right. yada, yada. Um, I think that, you know, technical analysis would be so important to people who, to, to Robinhood traders. Yes. You know, the, the they don't know who, fundamentals and technicals are a much right. easier way to navigate and manage risk, so, which is what they need to do more than anything. Can, can you talk about, just dive in a little mm -hmm. more uh, to managing risk and how you guys is there a minimum risk reward ratio that you'll yeah about three trade? about three, three to the up is minimum three, three we we okay. prefer it much higher um but you know if we like the stock we like the trend um if there's other factors that go into it we'll, we'll take a three x 
Yeah, it's. But so how how do you look at a? Yeah, well, let me let me backtrack here. How um, how successful are Fibonacci extensions for accomplishing what you want to accomplish? And uh, you know, are there any other indicators that you look at to figure out what your risk reward ratio is? How do you how do you can you like how do you actually figure out a three to one ratio or a 40 to two for Moderna, you know, can, can you take us through that? How, how do you put that on? So for, for Moderna, that's something where like our Robinhood list of uh, popular stocks is always just a starting point. And then I'll take my list of 100 and the way we do it is we sort by net increases, not the most popular stocks um, on an absolute basis, but the net increase on a week over week, you know, change basis. So whatever, you know, was added the most to accounts that week, that's what I'm looking at. I will then upload all of those charts into my charting software and I'll go through pretty much everyone and I'll look at them. And like we talked about the low float stocks that are less than a dollar, I just skip over. I I move on because those are the ones where you can't manage risk in something um, if there's, if it's it's, uh, susceptible to event risk. So if I'm going to wake up to a press release that came out after hours and my stock's down 25%, then technical analysis, you know, is not helping you manage risk because there's nothing you can do in that situation. You're waking up to a gap down, right? So we want to stay away from stocks where that's more and more of a possibility. It's not that we won't put a trade on in them. It's that, you know, the circumstances really have to be right. That's something that we would really consider a lot and weigh a lot and usually stay away from. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Because, because again, if, if we're trading blue chip stocks like Johnson and Johnson, I'm pretty comfortable that I'm going to wake up in the morning and know, you know, unless it's their baby powder, maybe that was a bad example. Uh, I know that I'm not going to wake up to, <laughs> you know, 5% gap down, but I'm pretty safe um, with those stocks. And that's when, what we'll do is we'll find something that's just kind of breaking out. So if we go to um, the my last column from uh, under the hood a few weeks ago, right? Uh, what's a good example? So if you look at, um, yeah, do you see Slack work? Slack Technologies, that chart, it's like um, about the fifth chart in. That $30 level uh, acted as resistance over and over and over again um, mm-hmm. throughout the end of la- or all beginning of this year. Then we finally broke out in May above the $30 level. If you look, we when you draw the Fibonacci extension, you're literally drawing it from a high point to a low point. So we drew it from that March high to that March low. That's basically, that was the, you know, Q1 crash. Maybe it was a February high to the March low, but you could see it um, right there around where the arc is. So then what it's doing is it's taking 61.8% of that range from the high to the low, and it's projecting it to get to that 161.8% extension. So, you know, this is not some sort of black magic. Clearly there's something here, and this is a perfect example of it. As soon as we broke above those former highs around 30, look at price. It took it four or five days to hit that target at 40 basically hits it to the penny. And then we get a bearish candle and it gaps right back down and look at where it stops almost to the dime right back at that 30 level. 
And that's just called, that's the principle of polarity, which is that former resistance. So that $30 level was resistance. We couldn't get through it. We couldn't get through it. We couldn't get through it. And we finally break through it. And when we come back and test it from above, it then becomes support. And that's, that's how we use price memory. So this is something where we can easily say, if you look at where the price is now, it's right around that $30 level. I actually think it um, moved lower in, in recent days. So it might be below our risk level. But if this was the chart we were looking at, and this is what the chart looked like today, we would put this trade on and know, okay, we only have $1.60 at a current price of $31.61. We only have $1.60 of downside. And we have you know over $8 of upside. So that's a risk reward well above three. We would take that all day. It's all about just limiting the risk so that if we are wrong, it's not that big of a deal. Does anything change if you move into trading options? Um, we would typically trade premium um, and put on different strategies. Uh, we have an options strategist at All Star Charts, Sean McLaughlin. And he'll trade premium if we think something's going to be range bound. But if we have a directional bias on something, a lot of times he'll just put on, um, you know, naked call strategies or sometimes he'll put on spreads. But it all depends on kind of the technical setup that we see, uh, what our time frame is, what our price target is, you know, how much, you know, what our risk is limited to. And then he takes our trade setup um, using the equity and he looks at the implied volatility and the premiums and he figures out what the best option strategy would be for that. But more or less, as long as the um, equities we're trading are optionable and have liquid options markets, he'll, yeah. he'll put on an option strategy on anything that we recommend um, from an equity standpoint. And it's based on the same information that yeah, we're looking at. Exactly. You know, Okay. Yeah, he's just dealing with the Greeks and the deltas and the thetas and all the mm -hmm. stuff that, you know, is above my pay grade um, and figuring out the best way to, to, to kind of craft that trade for, for uh, options traders. But it's all... As a, side, as a side note, Steve, have you ever tried to do a Black-Scholes options yes, formula? Yes, it's been so long. But um, I used to have to... I was an auditor. I audited brokers uh, in another lifetime. So I used to have to audit their assumptions and their, their options pricing models all the time. That's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You must be having nightmares about that if you're studying for your CFA right now, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't say that I excel. In that I was area. never good at it uh, myself. I'd be the first to admit that. <laughs> what, sort of, what sort of lessons, you know, working as a, an auditor for broke, Brokers or yeah, brokerages? Uh, broker dealers. Um, yeah. How is that? How, how has that affected what you're doing today? And, and it, it's affected it in every way, really. So, you know, I, my background is as an accountant. You know, I started my um, career working at Deloitte, one of the big four audit firms, as an auditor. You know, um, so as a CPA, you know, we're, we're taught to look at the financial statements and study the financial statements. And that's how we're going to find, you know, what we're going to find. And I worked on a number of clients uh, early on where, you know, um, there was fraud involved. And even when I left uh, Deloitte and I left my audit career and I started in journalism, I started kind of doing investigative journalism. Um, and the main lesson I learned from both of those jobs from um, auditing and 
uh, my investigative journalism as, you know, I was a fundamental analyst and recommending um, stocks based on fundamentals. Um, but I learned that you can't account for fraud. You can't model for fraud. Um, you can't trust people. You can't trust executives. You can't trust their estimates. Um, if you were an investor in GE and you thought they were earning $2 a share, and it turns out they only earned $1 a share, but you didn't find out until a year and a half later, once their auditors restated their financial statements, well, that was a pretty big deal for you. And there's no way to manage that risk. And it's not your fault as a fundamental analyst because the numbers that you're using to model off of are just simply incorrect. And a lot of times you have hungover 22, 23, 24-year-old kids working in these audit rooms that have no idea about the business they're auditing. I used to work at a high-frequency trader. It was the first high-frequency trader to go public and be listed on the U.S. exchange. Um, and I was working there with kids who were straight out of college and had no background in financial services. Um, and those are the people looking at the books. So if you're a fundamental analyst and you're going to then take those numbers that we audit and believe that they're accurate, then fine. But that right there, your starting point is a huge leap of faith. So it didn't take me long to invest in companies uh, invested in Sun Edison. Uh, I did own some GE when that happened. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I, I had uh, an uncle who worked at WorldCom. Um, I, I am just very familiar. I, I was involved in um, a fraud where uh, when I was working at an investigative journalism company. So what it comes back to is that if the numbers are not right that you're using to kind of build your model off of, then there's nothing that you can do. But whenever there is fraud, there's somebody who knows about it and it will show up in price. So a lot of times, whether it was Sun Edison when they went bankrupt or GE when their stock price was crashing, they were a bargain the whole time. And they just got cheaper and cheaper on a PE uh, or on a valuation basis as price kept on crashing. But as a good technical analyst, you would have looked at that chart back in the 30s and been out. As a fundamental analyst, you would have just said, this thing's getting cheaper and cheaper. I'm going to buy more the whole way down. Um, and I did that too many times. Um, and that's when I learned, okay, it's time for me to kind of uh, learn, learn about this technical stuff and see if there's something there. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized, you know, yes, uh, fundamentals are important and I will always look at financial statements and I'll always pay attention to it um, because I think it's something that you use as a good filter, right? You know, if I know that the stocks that uh, I'm looking at the charts for are at least quality stocks like a Johnson and Johnson, a Home Depot, somebody who's been around for a while, some that, you know, um, someone with a large back office that really shouldn't be a risk of fraud. Of course, it can happen to anyone but I'm a lot more comfortable using like a quality filter at the top and using my fundamental um, skills for that. And then everything after that is just based on price because we just don't know enough information. Um, but when that information is known, it's, showed up, it's shown up in price. And one last thing I'll say is that you can restate earnings. You can restate your financials, but you can never restate price. Price is fact. Price is truth. Uh, it doesn't matter if something's a fraud tomorrow. If you bought it yesterday and sold it today and it doubled, you still keep that money. So I guess uh, that, that was the main lesson. And I learned it, you know, I had to learn it the hard way. Um, 
but it's one of those lessons you really only need to learn once or twice. <laughs> well, on that, uh, some of the resources that you guys have available for free at allstarcharts.com, you're, it looks like every year you do an annual chart summit, and it's a virtual technical analysis conference. Yeah. The entire presentation is posted online yeah, for free. Go. Uh, I did a presentation, JC, Tom, and we had some of the best technicians, you know, guys that you see on Bloomberg and CNBC every day. They're all in our network. They were all presenters. It was the best conference I ever went to, and I got to do it from my living room and help host it. So it was awesome. Crazy good blog post. How how do we get to the under the hood? Have you all figured out how you're going to distribute that, whether that's going to be behind a paywall? Or so in front of what it? we're going to do is the first five or six charts, um, will be free each week and the list our list will be free each week for now and then the last four charts which are, are usually trade ideas like some of the ones we walked through which i'm happy to to you know just give out last week's we recommended neo if we're above 1070 with a price target towards 18 we recommended moderna like we talked about 80 to 122 uh we recommended walmart and again, those are the stocks I love recommending, something like Walmart. I can trust it. I can sleep at night holding it. Uh, we said if we're above 132 in Walmart, we like it towards 156. Um, and then Cloudflare, that's another high flyer. Uh, it's a hot new IPO yeah. that I like a lot. Um, it's, in the, it's in all the best spaces, cybersecurity, cloud, software. It's IPO, uh, the ticker mm -hmm. symbol's net. Again, you could see the stair-stepping and respecting those Fibonacci extension levels. If that one's above 34, we like it to 46. But typically what we'll do is we'll lock these. Oh, and Taiwan Semiconductor is the last one. If we're above 66 there, uh, I think you could even buy weakness to 60, but we like it towards 86. So all the trade ideas in the future um, will be locked up and behind a paywall, but the list and maybe one trade idea and a couple charts um, that are just more observational and not trade setups, that will always be free and you can find it right on the website. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is behind the paywall? Why, you know, a person like me, um, you know, or just the regular Joe Schmo on the street, why would we want to spend the money to, to get involved with so you guys? We do everything um, in a very, very uh, simple way where, you know, we're not trying to tell you a story about, oh, this company is growing into Asia and they're cash flow is going to expand and then they'll be able to raise their dividend. No, it's what we do is such a simple and repeatable process that our clients can often learn it just by following us um, for a little while and reading our research. And then before you know it, they understand technicals enough to really understand that the content that we're putting out. Um, so it's really, it's something anybody could easily learn. And the best part about it is that we employ a top-down approach um, that can be basically scaled to any asset class in any country around the world. As long as there's a liquid market and um, there's a trade price for the security or the asset in question, we can chart it and we can use the same exact analysis we would use on Apple uh, on Cardamom futures for our Indian clients. Um, or, you know, we'll look at soybeans or we'll look at, you know, the Indian rupee, um, or just some very, very obscure kind of asset classes. Um, one that has been a great trade for us is palladium. People never talk about it. If you look at a chart of palladium, 
We've been riding that thing higher for years now. Um, broke out long before gold, but a lot of times alpha is in these very little talked about, little known asset classes. Um, and because we're simply studying price, we don't have to be an expert in the uranium market to look at uranium stocks. We don't have to know. I don't have to know what cardamom is to chart it and tell you if I'd rather be buying or selling it. Um, and we can do the same thing with cryptocurrencies. <laughs> so any market, any asset yeah. class, we can apply our top-down approach to. And it's really the same way. And what that does is it makes it very easy um, and and um, uh, kind of very digestible for our clients. Because even if we're talking about, like I said, fixed income or credit markets instead of U.S. equities, we're talking about them in the same way. It's all the same language. It's and, and then before you know it, they can identify a breakout and they could see kind of what we're seeing and why we're putting on the trades that we are. Um, and I, I think that pe- people enjoy that because it's not too foreign to them that, that they don't understand it. Today on, on Twitter, you, and we can follow Steve, at S Straza, S-T-R-A-Z-Z-A. Uh, but you, you posted a chart and definitely give him a follow. He, he, I know that you post every week. You do post parts of your uh, under the hood Definitely. newsletter, and, and and you do post really good charts. And the chart, one of the charts that you posted the de- uh, today was essentially asking if the run for social media companies yeah. was over. And I'm, I'm going to press you it. here uh, for an answer. Is it over? So we don't think it's over, um, but we do think that again, just like anything. Um, what's a good example? If you look at that Apple chart. In the under the hood, see how it ran right into that 161.8% extension and just kind of did a cold stop right there? That's what social media looks like on an absolute basis right now. So basically for social media, off of the March lows, it's been the best performing industry group that we track among our industry ETFs. Uh, it might be behind, I think, GDX and solar energy, but that's it. So it's one of the best. It's the best within technology. Um, it's up 100% from the March lows. It just hit our price target. And it's kind of one of those scenarios where we would say, okay, we would expect this thing to cool off here, consolidate, churn. Maybe we'll catch some rotation. And then when you look at it on a relative basis, which is kind of that chart that I'm sharing there, is the same thing you're seeing in the lower pane of all these charts in the under the hood column. It's just social. Uh, which is a social media ETF um, in a ratio chart uh, charted over the S&P 500. And what you're seeing there is it just broke out to a new high against the S&P 500. And then it immediately um, uh, um, reversed lower right back towards that breakout level. And if that price is to fall below that 0.14 level, those former highs, we call that a failed breakout. And that's a very powerful technical signal we say from failed moves come fast moves. So typically what happens is shorts will get trapped. Then the price will reverse back below the key level. Shorts will have to cover, um, or, or, or in this case, the buyers would have to sell, right? Um, and, it, and it creates pressure and a fast move in either direction. So when I look at social media on an absolute basis, hitting a very logical level of consolidation, and then I look at social media on a relative basis, also at a very logical level, to at least consolidate, if not correct. My answer, gun to my head, is the run for social media is not over, but it's going to at least pause and maybe correct over the coming weeks to months. 
there's there's two types. Well, hell, there's there's more than two types. But you know, you have somebody like me who is financial literate adjacent and enjoys you know enjoys looking at their fidelity account and uh, you know making trades. And you have somebody like my sister who is not financial literate adjacent. Sure. She's she works full time in another yeah. industry, um, and the the stress of buying stocks and having to look at her account every day or she didn't have to, but that's what she did. It, it about murdered her. She ended up selling yeah. everything. And, you know, so I guess my, my last question to you is what sort of general advice do you have? How should people and how should people invest? Right? Like, so it, if if I'm if I'm a if I'm one of those people like my sister and I'm holding a social media name like a Facebook uh, and I, or an Amazon right Amazon hit three thirty and is kind of built, played around the three thousand dollar range uh, over the last week, you know is it worth trying to 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 move in and out of things? So I think it comes down to like the certain assumptions that we have to make right. Everyone's different. What's your goal? What's your time frame? And what's your skill, right? And and what, how much work are you willing to put into it? If you're willing to put in the work and learn technical analysis and learn how to manage your own risk, then go for it. If you want to swing trade or position trade and you understand risk management um, and just the basic principles to at least make sure you don't lose all of your money, then th that's okay, right? But I think for your average Robinhood trader, right? So to use someone like your sister, I know plenty of people, um, my friends do the same thing. They follow Dave Portnoy in the trades, you know, and I tell them, oh, goodness, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I know who you're talking about. Basically, yeah, the answer is you don't do it. It doesn't end well, yeah. typically. Uh, even if it works out for a while and you get lucky and you hit on something big that, you know, goes 10x, then it goes to your head. You didn't learn a lesson. You didn't learn anything. Um, and eventually you'll do the same thing and it'll go in the other direction and you'll lose everything. You, if you don't have um, the knowledge or the wherewithal to at least manage risk, you have to either do one of two things. You have to get help, right? And hire a research service who will basically tell you what trades to put on exactly when to get out, just like we do. Hey, we only want to be long if we're above 80. We want to sell it and take profits when we get to 122. Just like with social media, we said, hey, we want to get long when we break these highs. Now we're at the 161.8% extension. That's our price objective. We want to take profits. So we literally tell people exactly when they get into a trade, where to get out if we're right and where to get out if we're wrong. Um, so it's basically like we, you know, we, we hold their hand and do it for them. So you either have to do something like that or you simply buy and hold good companies for the long term, because that's a strategy that's worked forever throughout the history of the U.S. stock market. If your time frame is long enough, uh, you know, every Sunday we do a Robin Hood recap show with my buddy Trey, who lives mm -hmm. in Dubai, and he's kind of somewhere in the middle. He he doesn't know what the companies mm -hmm. do, but he also doesn't know how to read a chart. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and he is indicative, I think, of he's the reason that people like him are the reason that we started doing this podcast because there's so many people on Reddit and on Twitter who are just thirsty for somebody to tell them what to yes. do. 
And very often that information is incorrect. And it's coming from just the way you said about a financial statement being yep. flawed. Um, it, if the information that you're getting is is not correct, then the decisions that are going to come from that are not correct. And a lot of people are left holding the bags on, uh, you know, you name it, Boxel, Ideonomics, uh, NOVN, it, the list goes on and on and, and on. And that's, so. I think, a very important point that you're making. Um, I'm not talking about hiring some newsletter service that's going to promise you 10x, you know, in a month. That's something you want to run away from. If the guy's standing in front of a Mustang telling you he's going to make you a million dollars in a year, just don't click that ad ever and block that person. <laughs> you need to make sure that you're paying the right service. Um, and there are a lot of good services out there, but there's also a lot more really bad ones. Um, and we live in this digital world where people can easily market and make things look very sexy and uh, like a very, you know, lucrative opportunity and people want to get rich quick. So it's human nature. And a lot of people do make that mistake, but it's really, you, you just have to understand that this is not easy. This is, you know, not something where you're really going to get rich overnight, but it's something that if you have a process, it doesn't have to be a complicated one. It can be very simple. And if you know enough about the basics, like I said, especially risk management and simply planning out your trade um, and following a repeatable process, then, you know, it's not, it's not the hardest thing to do either. It kind of just depends on who you are, what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to put in. Yeah. And I really love that you guys give away so much free content. That's, that's our uh, kind of model. We give, 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 give. Um, and we want to give, you know, the, the best information we can away for free while still being fair to our paying premium customers. Um, so a lot of times we just end up giving them really awesome information because we still want to give really good information to everybody else for free. Um, but that's a way that we've really been able to build a, a huge following. And um, I think it's going to serve us well because we have a lot of, you know, plans, things we've talked about. We're working on our own type of Robin track website now that's going to be through all-star charts where you can query by short interest. You can remove low float stocks. You could remove stocks that are below a certain stock price or a certain market cap. You could, take ETFs out. Um, you can track the percentage change in account holders or the percentage, you know, increase or decrease in popularity as opposed to the absolute change. Cause I think there's something there too, that, that would really be worth seeing and could provide some insight. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll get you to the early move. Exactly. Movies. So, and that's, you know, that's, you go from 200 to a, 200 to a thousand users in a day. Right. It's not going to make your, your top 20 yep. list, but that's a pretty significant And, and what we're working on, something we're working on, I'll just end with this, is an alert service where you can go in and set your parameters to just like you said, like, hey, if, if something goes from, you know, less than 10,000 account holders and doubles, you know, in a, in a day or in two days, I, I'll get an alert right to my email or even your cell phone. So we're building that out um, so that because, you know, with these kinds of stocks, like we talked about, when they move, they go. So you got to know when it's happening and you got to get in if you do want to uh, play some of these names. So, yeah. And, and like I said, the way I like to use it is to kind of stay away from the crazy high flyers, but there's some people who can trade those stocks very well. Um, so I think everybody will kind of be able to use the data in their own way that kind of fits their own style and their approach. And um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a fantastic tool to have. Steve, how do we find you? I've, I've, 
plugged your Twitter and we've obviously given out allstarcharts.com. Did I miss Go to anything? allstarcharts.com. You can read the um, prior Robinhood columns there. If you just kind of click my name and, and it'll, my columns will show up or you could click the under the hood tag. Um, and then I also encourage people to, like you said, go watch our presentations from Chart Summit this year. It was free. We did it to raise money. We partnered with Traders for a Cause, and we raised a ton of money for COVID-19. Um, so everything on there uh, is free, um, and we just took donations and, and donated it all to the cause. Uh, so that's something we're really proud of. And like I said, there were some great speakers. And then we also have an educational um, course on the website that we sell and then a basic educational blog where we explain things like Fibonacci and momentum and relative strength and just some of the things I was talking about. If you want to learn more, uh, just go to the website and you should be able to find it all there. And and you could always email me um, if anybody has any questions or just tweet at me. Um, I'm very active on Twitter. So, Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. I look forward to having you back i'm gonna go ahead and and make you a recurring well, you know, guest. i'd love to i'd uh, love to do it george and it's my pleasure being on <laughs> i'm just uh honored that you asked yeah absolutely and, and hopefully we've you know kind of laid a little bit of groundwork today and next time we can uh, you know dive in a little more in depth into some names i'll figure out how to link charts in the description so everybody can follow along at home and, and all that sort of stuff so steve thank you very much all right, thanks for having me, man. Have a good night. Tie your shoes, got a red dress on. Gonna light the fuse, stay out till dawn. Whistle blows at the factory downtown. He changes his clothes, he's